0: Christian Confidant, all those that listen to these videos, nice to have you join in. We're in Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to continue on there, where we left off, we're just going to read a portion of scripture, and then have a word of prayer over it. So we want to turn our Bibles, and we want to start, well we'll start at verse 5, and we'll read to the end of the chapter, okay, chapter 5 of Hebrews, starting at verse 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I forgotten thee. As he said also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's pray. Father, we just would like to thank you now, Lord, we pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. And I ask, dear Holy Spirit, you guide us and help us with these things. Help me with the message and help us with our understanding, Lord, of these things. Thank you for the book of Hebrews, Lord. Thank you for the Bible, the things that you've given to us, the word of God. And now, Lord, we just pray that you be honored and glorified in and through this. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll carry on from where we left off last week. We were looking at, well, we we'll back up a bit and do a bit of a review because that's something we, we must do one of the laws of the teachers to review things. Uh, The intended recipients. Now, sometimes the book of Hebrews causes a bit of uh, trouble for people and hard to understand, kind of like the book of Revelation, hard to understand. But there's a few keys for each book. Now, this particular uh, portion of Scripture, the key to it is to look and consider the recipients. And as we've been doing for the last few uh, messages, if we look at the intended recipients, and put it in its context of what was taking place back in those days we can get an idea of some of the problems of the day and some of the problems as the spirit of god was trying to deal with these people through uh, the scripture here the intended recipients now we looked at three portions of scripture in the book of acts three in particular and uh, you should have written this down at some point in time so you can go back and look at it yourself but in Acts 6, 7, he talks about the priests which were priests which were obedient to the faith. Now the thing is about that, when we come up to the priests being obedient to the faith, well, they still they shouldn't be priests. They should not be ministering the Old Testament sacrifices and such, and that was the problem. And there's the the key, there's a clue to what's going on. They were living their old ways still professing Christ and then later on in um, Acts fifteen five, we see that he's a statement made that there's the Pharisees uh, which believed well the Pharisees was a particular we not say a denomination but a group of people that had certain beliefs and the way they went about things it was law with no grace is what it was well yeah they believe in Jesus but they still are doing this you see the problem? You can't mix law and grace. You can't mix those things. They don't mix. Do you ever try to mix oil and water? It doesn't mix. It's two different things. God's given us that picture. And we saw over in um, Acts chapter 21 and verse 20, where it says, Many thousands of Jews who believe. Did you hear that? Many thousands of Jews who believe and are zealous of the law. Now, if somebody comes along and comes to us today... And brings to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus and you must keep the Ten Commandments. We look at him, we lower our heads a bit, I think you're off the mark, but the Bible teaches something else. The book of Galatians was written to refute that whole thing. So we see that back in those days there was a problem with many Jews in all walks and so on and so forth who came to the Lord. Some came to the Lord just like the Apostle Paul and, and, and some of them just left everything behind and went on with Christ, but some had a problem with leaving things behind. It would seem that this would be the crowd that was being addressed here, perhaps. Probably is. Hebrews, I think it was written, but it doesn't matter what I think, okay, and I can't prove it from Scripture, uh, but I think it was written to the Hebrews in Rome. Uh, We won't get into that. It doesn't matter about that. So we see that they... Over a thousand years, they had worshipped God in the prescribed way. The way that God had said, this is how I shall be worshipped. And they did that. And then all of a sudden, there's a change at the cross of Calvary. And then after all the things that took place, and and the apostles going out and all this stuff, and the Lord Jesus bringing um, a different way to believe in him. Because all those things that went before were pictures or shadows of Christ and the cross and the resurrection and such. They, were, they had over a thousand years of this worship, and now they're told that, well, no, you must trust in Christ. They had a little bit of trouble seeing that. Sometimes, today we see people that have a little bit of trouble leaving those things behind. We look at, like, uh, say, Seventh-day Adventists. They do exactly that. They say, well, I believe in Jesus, but by the time you get saved, you've got you to keep the law to keep yourself. No, that's what's going on here. You could be in a place where, uh, a very dangerous place whereby you're not in. You're on the outside and you think you are. It's Jesus Christ alone. It's Jesus Christ or nothing, right? You can't work your way to heaven by keeping the law or anything else. So that's what we're dealing with. That's kind of the key of, not kind of, it's the key of the book of uh, Hebrews, And we did note that also a couple times it's mentioned that he talked about them having tasted of of the the good word of God and so on and so forth. Tasting something isn't taking it in completely. Uh, It's it's that test drive. Jesus on the cross tasted death. Yes, he entered it, yes. But he didn't stay there, did he? Okay, there is that about it. Um, Enlightenment and illumination do not save a person. Uh, These ones that are in this kind of this back and forth state right there. I don't know what, why we call it that. But Hebrews 3.12 says, to, uh, uh, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Because some were wanting to and thinking of departing because of uh, the difficulties, because of the lack of understanding, because of the persecutions and such. But we know that the Bible has said in the New Testament, Romans 10.9 uh, and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay? There is no room for law. In fact, in 1 Timothy um, chapter 1, I think it's verse 9, it talks about the law being made for the unrighteous, and so on and so forth. It's to show sin. It's not a system of righteousness. not for us today in that sense. And back then they were trying to just mix that up and keep it. A lot of people today might have baggage. They haven't just let go of the past or, or, or whatever. We'll pick that up later. So let's go down to verse 5. We saw uh, so uh, Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. Uh, we looked at that last week. In verse 6, And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now in the book of Hebrews, one of the words that's used often and over and over again is the word Better. Jesus is better than Abraham, better than the angels, better than the Old Testament sacrifices, better than everything else. Because the Spirit of God is laying out a, 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 like a lawyer, that's a pretty poor, uh, you know, uh, what, what do you call that? Description. But it's laying out a case to show these people, convincing them, drawing them, convincing them, what you've got nothing to go back to. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need to go back. Jesus is, is a, 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 a better priest, our high priest. In fact, just before this, we had looked at at the end of chapter 4 and the first beginning of chapter 5, where we saw Jesus being compared to one of the priests of the, uh, uh, the priesthood of Aaron, or the Aaronic uh, priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood, how they were uh, unable to enter into that state of complete um, suffering or pathos with us where Jesus Christ is able to completely that he suffers with us and such. We saw that the comparison of Christ to the, uh, the man, just a, a regular man. But here we see the spirit of God says, now we're going to take it in, into another, uh, another step and we're going to compare the Lord Jesus with someone else and show you how he is better. See, in another place. So he's continuing his argument. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to talk about Melchizedek. not an interesting <laughs> word? Uh, I was going to talk about that, but we won't do that. Um, Mel- Melchizedek is called the king of Salem. Now, some people say, well, where's Salem? Where's that? Well, there is a key, a, a clue. Uh, Psalm 76.2 says... In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. So it would appear, if we just took that one verse, it would appear that Salem is Jerusalem. Or the old, 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 way before there was Jerusalem, there was that place there. And Melchizedek was a a priest there, a priest of God, and king, and a king. We're going to have a look at this. Uh, Just right now so we get that out of the way. Now, we want to look at uh, the context being Jesus, the high priest, being better with an endless priesthood uh, because he's the Lord. He's, he's higher than the Aaronic priesthood. But he says here, Jesus, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And a lot of times people get hung up on Melchizedek and say, Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate uh, vis- visitation of Christ. No, he's not. He's a man. It says in here, he's a man. A man that receives tithes. You know the account back in in uh, <clears throat> excuse me in, uh, Genesis where Abraham was coming back after the slaughter of the kings and, and Melchizedek came out and met him and such. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoils that he had recovered that the, uh, the bad guys had taken and so on and so forth. But people look at Melchizedek and, and they miss the few words that the Lord's put down there, which is what he wants us to focus on. And those are the words, the order of. It's not about Melchizedek it's about the order of Melchizedek okay it's not a pre-incarnate visit of Christ the order of Melchizedek is in view not Melchizedek we note those words that the order or the manner of it's about the order five times through the book of uh, Hebrews the order of Melchizedek the order of Melchizedek Now we want to just quickly look at these few things here on the board. I put up uh, some things for us to just uh, a bit of a rabbit trail or goes along with this about Melchizedek and the Lord Jesus and why they are compared. The order of Melchizedek, uh, that is, a king and a priest. Melchizedek was the king of Salem and he was a priest. And Jesus Christ is the king of kings and lord of lords and he's our high priest, isn't he? So we have here... Jesus Christ is—it's a a um, royal priesthood. And I guess, I guess the Jews back at that day, the Hebrews then understood and they knew their scriptures well. They had the Old Testament, and they understood that account with Abraham and Melchizedek. They knew who Melchizedek was and what he was about. This is before that took place. Before you had Aaron and the priests and, and the priesthood and all that. Way before that. And the Spirit of God is comparing Jesus and Melchizedek, just simply showing people Jesus is of this order. He's like this order that each one, there's five things, each one's a priest. And each one is not of the Levitical tribe and priesthood of Aaron. You see, all the Old Testament uh, 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 um, sacrifices and such were... um, led and done by the Levites, the the priests of the Levites. Part of the problem with the people that wanted to go back, they wanted to go back to that system. And he's showing them, look at before that system was even in place, you've got Melchizedek, who is a priest of the Most High God, and that order is the order that Jesus Christ is of that order, being a priest, and not of the tribe of Aaron, not of that uh, uh, priesthood, and each one is superior to Abraham. Jesus Christ, of course, he's superior to Abraham. He's superior to everything and everybody. And he's of that order of Melchizedek. When Abraham Abraham was a pretty um, well-known, powerful, important person back in those days. He just came back from uh, um, dealing with five kings and their armies. They had stolen... Uh, the people and and, and Lot and the people of Sodom and all that stuff or whatever, that area. And he takes 300 and some of servants. Seems to me that's not very many people to go and face five armies. But he won. This is a powerful individual because God is with him. And he's coming back and they recovered all the stolen goods. And here comes this guy out of Salem. Oh, it's Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. And we're not told much about him. The priest of the Most High God and Abraham gives him tithes. A tenth. All the stuff they had. Because it was a thing to do. Because he was a priest. He was the king of Salem. Whose beginning and end is unknown or a mystery. I don't even like to use that word mystery. But you know what I mean. Um, <clears throat> Jesus Christ being God manifest in the flesh. It's kind of a mystery. God is a mystery. We don't know much about him. We can't fit in what we know of God into our little finite minds. But... But... Uh, um, Melchizedek, there's nothing said about his beginning. We don't know who his family was. We don't know who his mom and dad were. We don't know what happened to him. All we know is that he was called the priest of the Most High God and he was the King of Salem. They were both a king of righteousness and peace. That's what it means. That is the order of. And that's what God's talking about here. Here, Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he goes on to talk about Jesus. Verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, not Melchizedek, Christ, he's talking about. Jesus Christ is the context, he's the, the uh the subject here. And the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cryings and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard, and that he feared Where was this? Gethsemane. Gethsemane the night before. Okay, that's referring to that. Uh, you've got to remember Jesus Christ the perfect man and yet God manifests in that flesh and yet he did uh, um, I was use the word suffer he did suffer the things that, that or experience the things that, that we've experienced fatigue and those things that were set before him it says that he that he feared it wasn't, it wasn't a sinful thing it was just a natural response we won't go into that um, so this is uh, I was going to read the, the verses here just a minute Uh, Mark 14, verse 34 to 36 says this And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but that what thou wilt. So we see that. And then the next, uh, verse 8, talks about his obedience. Yet, though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. It's not that Jesus had to learn anything. It's just that, that whole thing, what we just read there, and this thing is talking about his absolute submission to the will of God. And his obedience is not supposed to be understood in the sense that he learned to obey. But that His will was to do the Father's will. The cross of Calvary. Okay? I'm thinking about this. For the Lord Jesus to go to the cross. And we were talking about the joy earlier. About the joy that was set before Him. And Hebrews later on talks about that. that Jesus on the cross. And the joy, Hebrews 12 too. The joy that was set before Him. To go to the cross. And to endure the pain. And... I was going through our song book. I have a song book, well, the songs we used to do in the nursing homes and stuff like that. And, and, and one of those songs is, I'm so glad. How's it going? I won't sing it for you this week. I promise. <laughs> uh, I forget the title of it. I'm just, I, I'm, I just want to read to you a line from this song. It's about Jesus going to the cross. Uh, being, and, the, and the songwriter's talking about how glad he is that he went to the cross. And then Jesus is nailed up there. Now picture this, Jesus on the cross. And all the angels of heaven would obey him, eh? Okay? And then then this thought comes. um, He allows himself to be crucified and to remain on that cross until death. Okay? And one of the lines in the song, and I'm so glad he didn't call heaven's angels to pull these nails from my hands that torment me our Savior. Yeah, he, he did what the Father's will was. He'd go into the cross. God became took on a human form to go to the cross, to be put to death. And there's Jesus on that cross. And I can't imagine the pain. Can you? How many How many have ever been pierced with something? Very, very very few, eh? How many have ever had broken bones? Well, look at all the hands. <laughs> look at all the broken bones. I've had a few broken bones. Nose and foot and shoulder, <laughs> and it's no fun. Could you imagine that? I don't know how big the spikes were. Right through there, somewhere in there. It wasn't the wrist. It was the part of the hand that grasps the tarot right there. And he could have just called the angels. It would have been awful folks, wouldn't it? And he refused that the drink that they gave wanted to give him to dull the pain. But he endured it. He went through it. Allow himself to be um, nailed up there, but to stay there and endure that. He could have called the angels and said, Come and take these nails out. I can't take it anymore. But he understood, and for the joy that was set before him, you and me and everybody else who saved, and I like to think he just saw the faces of us all. Hey, God knows us all, doesn't he? The joy of him being there. Amazing thing when you look at the cross, when you think about it. Some amazing, amazing things come out. Let's go on. In verse nine, um, being made perfect. Now, was there some imperfections? You see, we look at those words and we use them, and we use our English understanding of those words today. Jesus did not have to be made perfect of anything. He was perfect and is perfect. Amen. Amen. That's the thing about him. But this word there has an idea of a fulfillment of something. Okay, and he did. He fulfilled that. He fulfilled that. He, he said, uh, "It is finished." On the cross, he fulfilled that, didn't he? And he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that uh, obey him. Um, he became the author. He's just—he's not just the cause of our salvation, and he is the active cause of our salvation. But he didn't merely just—merely is not the right word. He didn't just cause our salvation or effect salvation. He is in Himself. He is our salvation. It's not just what He did. He is salvation. There's just a couple verses. Luke uh, 2.30 says, My eyes have seen Thy salvation. And Luke 3.6, All flesh shall see the salvation of God. That Christ is our salvation. Yes, He became the author. But He is salvation. It's not just what He did. He is. I think it's deeper than... I can convey, I don't, I don't know. But uh, to all that obey, all that will listen to, and that word obey there has the idea of hearing something and submitting to it. Okay, To know that and submit to it, to, know, to understand. Obedience in belief, he's talking about here. All them that obey him, God has commanded that all men everywhere should repent and obey the gospel. It's good for us. God says, and he's not willing that any should perish. He says, look at what Jesus has done is enough for everybody. God Almighty. In human form. Perfect man. He goes to the cross of Calvary as a, a sacrificial lamb. And on him was placed your sins and my sins, and the punishment of them, and the wrath of God upon him at the cross. And the sky went dark, and there was an earthquake, and all these things. And he gave up his life right there. They didn't take it from him, he gave it up. They took him down and put him in the tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead because God is the God of the living. God is alive. He's the God of the dead too, it says. He's alive. And for us to believe with all of our heart, not just some head knowledge, not just, oh, I know some things about him. I've heard some things about him. But no, I know I'm a sinner. I see that. And I see and understand and I've heard the word of God and it tells me that Jesus Christ went to the cross, that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh and he died on that cross, paid for my sins, paid the penalty and price for my sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and he took it upon himself and experienced death for us that we wouldn't have to experience it. And he rose from the dead and if we believe in him, trust in him, put our faith in Him, we'd be saved. We made children of God. And these Hebrews weren't there yet. They were right up to the door. And the Spirit of God is trying to convince them to leave that other stuff behind and go to Jesus Christ, run to Him because He's better than anything else, better than Abraham, better than the Old Testament covenants, and so on and so forth. Isn't that a wonderful thing, that salvation that we have? The individual, Jesus Christ in verse 10 uh, make, verse 9 being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him people won't like that word today called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek and these things here of whom and then he starts in verse 11 remember this is the spirit of God writing we don't know who the uh, human uh, author was here the Spirit of God is kind of rebuking them. And he, because there's a lot at stake here, isn't there? Yeah, all eternity is at stake. If those Hebrews back in those days did not heed this letter, these things that God had sent to them for them to hear and understand, if they did not listen to this, they'll still be in hell today crying out for water like the rich man. It's a horrible thing. Somebody said, if you ever speak on hell, make sure you do it with a tear in your eye. It's nothing funny about it. It's a serious, serious thing. And every person on the planet is headed there. Everybody's headed to hell. Because we're away from God because of the sin of Adam's upon us and our old nature that we have to create or we we do sin from that. We're, We're sinners. God says there'll be no sin. There'll be no sin in the presence of God. And Jesus Christ pays for the sins of the whole world. says, if you would believe in me, if you would trust in me, if you put your faith in me, you'd be forgiven. All your sins would be wiped away, washed away by his blood. you be made a child of God. Heaven to be your home. So he's trying to convince these people. Listen, you're not thinking about it right. You're not thinking logically. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. They've been illuminated. They've been enlightened. They see it and understand but then they want to go back. So let's have a look at this rebuke and look at some things here. There'll be some things for, for us to, um, to consider and to uh, to look at as the Spirit of God rebukes these ones. Verse 11, Of whom we have many things to say uh, the high, about the high priest Jesus Christ, about the order of Melchizedek and Melchizedek as well. Over in chapter 7, he takes a lot of time in there in that chapter to explain some things about Melchizedek. Before he gets there he says this to them. In verse 11 of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. It's hard to get these things across. Hard to say these things. Hard to get them over to you seeing you are dull of hearing he says. (laughs) Interesting word right there. Um, If you were to look in chapter 6 verse 12 he calls them um Slothful, it's the same word, okay? It's the same word, slothful and dull of hearing. And it just means to be sluggish, okay? It means to be uh, slow of hearing and understanding, sluggish, spiritually sluggish. Let me just stop for a minute and think. Well, what could possibly make these folks dull of hearing? What could possibly make them sluggish spiritually, Okay, well, neglect of Scripture. You don't read your Bible. And they obviously weren't, something was wrong. If we don't read our Bibles, if we neglect those things, we will become sluggish. And that's for Christians too. We can become sluggish. You won't lose your salvation. But we can become kind of, you know, filled up with other things. A lack of a desire to learn. We have today. As was said in Daniel in the latter times, many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall increase. Knowledge has increased. And it's affected us. And I believe it's affected us in a negative way, one of the things, in that everybody knows everything. You can't really tell anybody anything. Well I know that, I know that. You know? There's a lack of desire to learn the things of God. And perhaps there's just not a care there. Perhaps we could say that people get bored with God and the things of God. You wouldn't think. Something was wrong with these people. They they saw, they tasted the good word of God and the Holy Spirit and the things to come. And, and yet they're going to leave that and go back? Something's very, very wrong. Uh, worldliness. Or divisions. They weren't going to leave the former things behind. They were trying to walk on two sides of the fence. You can't do that. It must be for all for Jesus, Jesus alone, and nothing else. But it gives us a clue here as to the, how they were behaving and such because he does call them babies. Um, verse 12, For the time you ought to be teachers. By this time you ought to be teachers. And this is what God wants from us, from every one of us, to learn the word of God that we can tell somebody else. Not just the gospel, but teach people about things. The thing is, After a year, after five years, after ten years, after twenty years, after twenty-five years, we should be very different people, and not the same as we were way back there. We should be able to tell somebody at a moment's notice and meet somebody on the street or wherever and explain the gospel and teach them, answer their questions or their their, uh, opposition's we should be able to do that, every one of us. We need to. He says, this, this time you ought to be teachers. He says, he was saying to them, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles. And then he goes and talks about the first principles of the oracles of God. And he mentions it later on. And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And uh, at the end of verse 13, he says, for he is a babe. This is one uns- who uses milk is unskillful. I'm going to just stop there for a minute. And we're going to look at something from the Bible about what, a, what do you mean you're either babies? Because they didn't understand scripture. They didn't want it. They just had to be told very light things because they just couldn't digest it. There's a, this, uh, this reference to babies is used somewhere else over in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 the apostle, the Spirit of God used the Apostle Paul to speak to the Corinthians. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. The Corinthians had the same problem as the Hebrews way back. I remember in the book of Corinthians, he's talking to the believers, uh, verse three: For ye are yet carnal. For the, where, whereas there is among you, and he name, names three things: envying, strife, and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? He just said they were babies in Christ. Okay, so Christians can be babies too, not just these ones that weren't saved. Well, what does he mean? What's he talking about? Well, let's just look at those three things right there. He, he says, These three things characterize spiritual babies. Okay? Well, let's have a look. Envy, strife, and divisions. That word envy right there is the word zealous, where we get our word, our English word, jealousy. Jealousy. Envy is something different entirely. Envy sees something that somebody has and so filled with that, whatever, and you want that taken away from them. That's envy. But jealousy, it's bad, but I don't think it's as bad as that one. It says, oh, I want that too. I want that. i got to have that. That's a, uh, that's a, uh, um, that's something that comes out of spiritual, being a spiritual baby. Okay? And then there's this, he says, there's strife. It was strife. You know, you know what the, this word strife Aries, I don't know how you pronounce it. Do you know what the definition of that is? It's the expression of enmity. You know what enmity is? It's hatred. The expression of hatred causes strife. When there's strife, there's hatred. Whoa, we don't hate anybody. Whoa, read over in 1 John, and he tells us that, and he warns the believers he says, if anyways hates their brother, you're walking in darkness. This is serious stuff, folks. Serious, serious stuff. This is a spiritual tune-up, as it were. Envy, strife. We have envy in our lives. Get to the Lord. If you got strife? I know, I read that definition. Thought, Whoa, this is heavy-duty stuff. There's strife all the time. Every church I've ever known has had strife. In fact, I've been a pastor in three different churches. This is the third one. And every church we've gone to, they've just come out of a a bad time. A split or something. Really awful. Strife. We're always facing it. It's always something that's... Because our old nature does that, eh? Our old nature does that. And divisions. It just simply means a, a dividing and a standing apart. Okay, you got... People on this side, uh, they like this color carpet, and over here they don't, and so on and so forth. We were at a church one time, and there was a, um, the non-homeschooling group against the homeschoolers. And then it was the ones that believed that the, uh, in a Baptist-style government, and others believed in a different style of government, just elders. And and it was in the church. Every church seems to have it. something we have things in our lives. We have things that are happening in the world. And it comes into our lives and into our church, into, the, into God's church. And we have divisions. And those divisions cause, say the word, hatred, A dislike. We don't like what they're doing. They don't like what these guys are doing. We don't like the way you're approaching that. They're just a bunch of babies if we let that get hold of us, if we find ourselves in that, we need to get to the Lord and repent of it and turn away from it. That's what he says. Now, we were looking, we go down through the book of Hebrews and we get down to this, and he's rebuking them, these Hebrews way back then. We said, yeah, yeah, you rebuke them. Yeah, tell them off. Yeah. He says, you know, when you read your Bible. You take, it, take it for yourselves too. This is application. Take it for ourselves as well. If we find those things in our lives, envy, strife, divisions... This is serious, serious stuff. Serious stuff. In fact, in the book of James, let we get going here, the book of James, chapter three, verses nine and ten, talks about the tongue and the evils of the tongue. And in these verses, it says, "Therewith we, there, therewith bless we God the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God." Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Amongst God's people, if we could get a handle on this. Why did the Lord say that the second greatest uh, commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself? Because it's something that absolutely must be done. Because if that isn't there, it's going to be something else. And it's just going to cause troubles and so on and so forth. If we find that we have something against somebody else we have an enmity or a dislike or something, take it to the Lord and get praying for that person and go and repent of that thing. Because it's not from God. It's not from God at all. It's from the enemy that causes divisions. Divisions is right there in the description of the baby stuff. Standing apart, groups and such. The group is God's people, people that believe in Jesus Christ, people that love Jesus Christ, that know Jesus Christ, who gather together to worship Jesus Christ, and there's no room for any any kind of dislike or hatred or enmity against somebody else, especially a believer. Okay, There's no room for it. And he says, let's take it from there, from what he says to them. He says, there's no room for this stuff. You can't have it. The baby divisions and strife and envy. Verse 13, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he's a babe. Not able to um, use the Bible as it's intended to be. Verse 14, he goes on and explains that. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age or mature or perfect. And that word's all in that. Even those who by reason of use, see that reason of use, then we cannot leave off our Bible devotions, our Bible study, and have that before us all the time. Okay? He wants us to use it, everything that happens, everything, 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 take it to the Scriptures. Now, never forget what Eric Black used to say, a fellow that discipled us just after we got saved. He didn't talk about himself or anything else, and we ask a question, he always would answer with, <clears throat> well, let's see what, what the Word of God says about that. Let's see what the Word of God says. We need to be in that mindset. Let's see what the Word of God says about that. Taking the Bible, and by reason of use, they have their senses exercised. Their senses, that's your faculty of perception, your faculty of spiritual apprehension, the senses. And uh, uh, exercise means to train. It's actually, the word is where we get our English word, gymnastic, from means to train to train be trained in the word of god to exercise discern both good and evil now we're going to stop there because we've come to the end of the chapter but we're just going to go look at the first verse of chapter six because the thought continues there the apostle didn't the spirit of god didn't uh, uh, say okay (laughs) now put chapter six there no man put that in just for our benefit to find things he says all this to them, this rebuke. Therefore, because of all this, he says, do you see it? Did you get this? Did you hear this? Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. This is the basic things, um, the first principles of the oracles of God. There's more to uh, uh, the Bible. There's more to learn than uh, um, the principles of the doctrine of Christ. It's going to perfection, not laying in the foundation of, but there is a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptism, laying on the hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And you trying to tell them and show them you need to learn, you need to accept the things that we've shown you, the things that you can see, the things that you understand. Forget those things that went before. Forget the world. Forget those things. Forget the strife. Forget all those problems. Forget the envy and the divisions. And look to Jesus and let's go on with him. We've run out of time. Just a few things for us to look at. You see, when we go through the Bible, it isn't just about, oh, let's just hear some lovey-dovey things. God loves us. Well, sure he does. There's more to the Bible than that. There's some valleys. There's some tough things. Interesting how the Spirit of God um, reached out. Now, was he trying to tell them off, you dirty, rotten people, get out of here? No, he's trying to show them, you come closer to me. Come close. And he tells them just like it is and pulls no punches. Oh, the Word of God's amazing because God is amazing. And our Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever the problem is, leave it. Leave it with Him. And when we find those things of envy, of strife, or things of the world, or divisions, turn away from it. Recognize it's not of God. And look to Jesus. Anyway, we have to stop. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace now, Lord. We thank you for the book of Hebrews. There's a lot for us. We just pray these few things that we looked at today, Lord, that you'd help us to understand and apply them to our hearts and lives. And Lord, if there's any that are listening that are not saved, that don't know if Jesus Christ as Savior, that they would heed these things. They would see that they are sinners and will not go to heaven unless they trust in Christ, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. Eternal life is through faith, and trust, and belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God manifested in the flesh, our great High Priest. We just want to thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon us, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, folks. See you again.